Well, good morning, friends. Um, there's nothing to see here this morning. Um, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Um, uh, we're so excited. We're finishing a, um, a series, a vision series, uh, that we've been going the last, um, few weeks. And, um, okay. There we go. So the last few weeks, um, we've been calling, uh, this series called the Talmudim. And you maybe have never heard of that word Talmudim, but it is the Hebrew translation for what we get today as disciple or, um, or apprentice after Jesus. And so as we talk about what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus that we believe at Pine Lake, we are called to find and follow Jesus together, that we believe that discipleship is core, not only to the disciple, the 12 disciples that he called, but also is relevant to us today. And so we are um, convicted to not only live into this series, but for uh, the next season of life at, at Pine Lake to say, what does it look like for us to become the disciples that Jesus has called us to be? And we really believe that happens in three uh, distinctives. Um, we talked about in the last two weeks, and we're going to finish this one off today. But if you haven't been here, let me give you a 30-second catch-up. Um, we talk about the first one is to be with Jesus, is that we believe as disciples of Jesus, he said, follow me which means that we are called to just be with him, to practice the presence of God in your life every day, that it's not something that you do in a particular time for just a certain part of the week, but every day and every moment you have a God, the Holy Spirit, that wants to be with you. And so it's an invitation to be with him. And then we talk about what does it look like to become like Jesus. As you are with him, as you become like him through, um, we talked about four different paradigms that Jesus participated and invited his disciples into, teaching, understanding the truth of who he is, um, to do and practice the way of Jesus, so a certain way that he lived, um, but also to do it in community, that you're not meant to do it alone but also through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we are finishing the last one, which is we are first going to be with, become like, and then the disciples are apprentices of to Jesus, do what Jesus did. And so we're going to just break it down real simple this morning. Um, I have to apologize. We are having some technical difficulties, so we don't have any slides. So we're going to have to go old school. I feel like it's in the 90s when I grew up. Oh, wait, no, we do. Yeah, awesome. Sweet. They showed up, appeared. Uh, <laughs> but we're, so we're talking about do what Jesus did. And and so this morning, um, I want you to turn in your Bibles, and we're going to land. We've been landing the last few weeks, but also now, um, really in understanding like the call of Jesus to the disciples. So we've just been looking at this moment um, through all the Gospels of when Jesus called his disciples. So we're in Matthew chapter 4, um, starting in verse 18, and it goes through verse 20. So you have the Bibles in front of you, whether they're physical or digital. I encourage you uh, to pull the living word out and to immerse yourself in it. And so this is Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and it says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And so this morning, um, we really want to talk about this idea that as disciples of Jesus, we are called to do what Jesus did, that we are disciples who participate in making disciples. And um, when we think about this text, when we come to that word of Jesus, and for me, it was... Um, for me, it was, it's in red letters, because I got like a red letter Bible, but whether it's yours, it's black or red, it's still the words of Jesus. And so those words mean something to us in scripture as they call to the disciples and they call to us. And that that process of discipleship, Jesus doesn't, I think we mystify discipleship too much. 
I think it really is. Jesus, from the moment that he calls his disciples, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you the game plan. Follow me. And as you follow me, I'm going to send you out to do the same thing that I'm doing. So that in the same way that you come and follow me and you watch and see what I do and then you try it out. Now I'm going to send you out because there's a time that I'm going to be going away. I'm not going to be here anymore. And so I'm going to send you out to do exactly what I did. To be disciples who make disciples. And so this morning, this idea that um, this, the disciples or apprentices of, after Jesus, the disciples, you and I, the point has always been, has always been to multiply. Like it wasn't Jesus just saying, hey, I got 12 people. I think it's really good. And then I'm satisfied. The rest of you figure out how to reconcile with God. Could you imagine that? Like, hey, I got 12 people. It's like for some of you, like, hey, I got an exclusive club. You can't get in, but figure it out. But he's like, no, the point has always been to multiply. And so this morning, when we talk about what does that like look like for us, it means to say that I will come and follow, that as we find and follow Jesus together, you will be sent out to make disciples in the same way that Jesus and his disciples did. And so we want to really just say like, um, the point is always that it's not just the goal of discipleship is to be with Jesus and become like him. Like if that is the culmination, then we miss the same call that Jesus made to his disciples. And then we're only getting half of the picture. And this is why sometimes our, our growth is stunted. Sometimes we uh, feel like we're just in a pattern of uh, the kingdom isn't growing or we feel like Jesus is losing because we're not participating in the call. The second part of it is to do what Jesus did. And so the thing is, like, you're supposed to be sent out. You're never supposed to just sit on the sidelines of discipleship. Like, discipleship is never like, hey, I've been with Jesus. I'm going to come like Jesus. And now I'm going to send certain people out but I'm not one of those. So if we're not meant to sit on the sideline, then what are we meant to do? And I love this part in, in scripture is that Jesus doesn't just like call them and then wait till he leaves to give them the great commandment to say, remember the great commandment is to go into all nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? I've charged you to go into the nations. Like he doesn't just, then is the, the first time they're like, oh, you really mean this. But in Luke um, he does this, and this is what I think is really important, that we are not meant to just sit on the sideline, that to do what Jesus did as disciples or apprentices after Jesus is that we are meant to be harvesters and not spectators. Like we are meant to be harvesters. And the where we see that happen the most is that when Jesus um, sends out the 72, like 72 are the disciples of Jesus that Jesus appoints to go out and to do what he did. And I want you to hear this text it's from Luke chapter 9. Um, yes, Luke chapter 9. Sorry, wrong page. Um, and he says this in, in, in Luke, sorry, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. I want, I want you to hear this. Oh, this is so good. And sometimes we miss the com- to complete the, the picture. Is that after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. 
He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, send out the workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Do not take a purse, a bag, or sandals, Do not and do not greet anyone on the road. That this, There's a couple things that are happening in this. Like the disciples of Jesus, that Jesus has not only chosen the twelve, but he has 72 disciples that he's saying, like, I know you're not fully formed yet. I know that you've been following me for a season. You've been with me. You're starting to become like me. You're living into the practices of Jesus. But before you're fully trained, I'm sending you out. Right? Like we think it sometimes that the disciples were finally sent out after Jesus had fully trained them, had had left, had risen, had, had his death and resurrection. He had risen. He'd been back to the Father. And then finally they're sent out. But no, we forget that this part in, in the 72 is a participation of the practice of doing what Jesus did while Jesus was still there. That he sent the disciples who hadn't been fully trained yet, or he hadn't sent the three, like the Peter, James, and John, that he could really trust. But he sent the 72. But he sent them out two by two, not alone, and that doing what Jesus did did means that you don't do it alone. He sent them out two by two, and then the last part is, wherever they went... He was about to follow. So that as we go about this process of discipleship, of, uh, of discipling our lives after Jesus and doing what he did, we don't go alone. We go with the body of believers, but we also go where Jesus has already been and where he's about to go. And this is really important in your discipleship is that you don't believe and you don't get into this mindset or believe uh, a lie that it's on you to do the harvesting or to do like the planting, the convicting. All Jesus has asked you to do, he said, I have gone before you. I have been planting seeds and revealing myself step by step uh, to people who don't know me yet. And all I've asked you to do is to go and reap the harvest of the work that I've already done. And knowing that I'm also going to then go after you. So that if you don't do as good of a job, I still finish the work. That to do what Jesus did is to be people that participate in the harvest. And I love the reason why that it's the 72 is that we don't buy into this paradigm that it's only certain giftings in people that go out and share the good news. That if you're gifted with evangelism or you're gifted with teaching or you're gifted with gathering, then you get to do what Jesus did by making disciples. But he says here, he sends all 72 out before they were fully trained in order to do what Jesus did in showing no like partiality. That in that moment in the group of them, they're saying like, whoa, it's only the 12 that go out and do this. And so then we just, we have a different type of discipleship. Because all are called to be harvesters. And the question that you might be asking this morning, as we talk about this paradigm shift of uh, being the disciples or apprenticing our lives, our heart, and our minds, and our bodies after Jesus, like, what do we do? How do we do this? And I believe that Jesus, again, like I said, it's not rocket science. I don't think Jesus had this like really this new age or new way or is only limited to certain giftings. But I think Jesus really um, set it up to where not only his disciples, the 72, but also you and I today can do what Jesus did. And so this is, this is the way that Jesus did. This is a way if we want to encourage you this morning, if you can do what Jesus did, um, is, is, is one thing. It's really simple. 
And it comes, um, again, another part where Jesus is calling a disciple. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 9. And I want to read this uh, for you, and then I want to talk a little bit about the implications for us this morning. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. Or chapter 9 and verse 10. And following. It says this. As Jesus went from there, he was somewhere else, and he was going somewhere else, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. So what did Matthew do? Matthew got up, and what? Followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have come not, I have, I have, I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Here's the mission plan of Jesus. Find people that are far from God and eat with them. Eat with people who are far from Jesus. So that as he was walking along the road from here to there, he saw Matthew at a tax collector's booth. This is the last person that you would want to call. He is a, a, a filthy scoundrel uh, in this day and age, and you would never want to be associated with him. But he said, hey, come follow me. But not only that, hey, bring all of your friends to your house, and I'm going to bring my friends, and we're going to get together, and we're going to eat. And we're going to talk, and this is going to be cool because you're going to meet my friends, I'm going to meet your friends, you're going to talk about your things, I'm going to talk about my things, and I'm going to reveal to you who I am and the reason why you should still respond to the follow me invitation. And it's interesting in this day and age is that that this, this common practice of just eating with one another is often overlooked as the way in which Jesus begins to share the good news of, about himself to the world. It's that he took the common practice of what anybody can do is to say, hey, you have friends, I have friends, let's go to your house, let's eat. And actually, you know what? You can pay for it. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to come over to my to your house, I'm going to bring my friends, my family, you bring your friends and your family, and you actually cook for me. Please. This is the way of Jesus. This is the simple way of Jesus. Is that some of us might be like, well, I don't know if I have, if I know people that are far from Jesus. Well, my encouragement is, do you know one? Because if you know one, they have friends. Right? And so invite them to invite their friends to, and then you, like, in place like, hey, come to my house, or I'm gonna go to your house. I'm gonna invite my friends, and we're gonna begin to build this relationship. And you know why this is so important? For us today, and this is why one of the core convictions of, of Pine Lake is that we eat t- together in so many places. When we have our annual celebration or business meeting, we eat together. When we come during Holy Week, during Monday, Thursday, we break fast together as we eat with one another. This is why in Tuesdays together, a core part of what I believe is learning to eat with one another so that we do what Jesus did with no stipulations with no um, bait and switch, we say, hey, come, let me provide a meal for you. Let me provide a space for you to come and build a relationship with me and understand who I am and so you can fully see who Jesus is. Because Jesus has already gone before them. He's already been revealing in, in, 
into them who he is and that by your sitting with them and participating in just the easy practice of eating a meal with him, you show the same characteristics and the truth of who Jesus is with those who don't know yet. So that they see and they are, they're being revealed through the Holy Spirit who Jesus is. And then they look at his disciples and they say, the same Jesus who the Holy Spirit is revealing is found in his disciples. And that is an affirmation. And so not only do I believe what the Holy Spirit is saying who Jesus is, but now I look at his disciples and they are not only with him, but they look like him and they're doing what he did. There's a continuity in there. But if that's not enough for you, When we sit at the table with people who don't know Jesus, when we sat and prepare a table for them, we set a table where love can be present. That breaks the boundaries or the requirements that you do something for me before I do something for you. That when you eat together and people that shouldn't uh, hang out together, there's hope that is offered at the table. Because you were offered a place at the table when you didn't deserve it. That when you gather with people who are far from Jesus and you eat with them, you were able to uh, practice hospitality and saying that Jesus, who didn't come to be served, but to serve, and in the same way that we don't take our relationship with Jesus as something that puffs us up into self-righteousness, but says, I'm going to do it in the same way that my Savior, the same way that as my rabbi, that I'm aiming for Jesus, and if he's going to serve, I'm going to serve. And at the same time, at the table, you can sit with people and offer forgiveness to one another. To say, I know that the church and the disciples of Jesus have hurt you, but this is a table of reconciliation. This is a place where I can own my stuff and say, I'm sorry for what I've done or what somebody else has done. That gives you a poor representation of who Jesus is. That when you set the table for not only yourself and friends, but people that don't know, you're setting a table of reconciliation where people can come together no matter where and what corner of the world they come or whatever they believe and come to a place where a table that is set has love, forgiveness, mercy, grace, hope, patience, peace, and they find it at the table where they find it nowhere else. So much so that the reality of those things happen is that those people who are religious and said you should be separated question the practice. But wait, shouldn't they, shouldn't they clean themselves before they come? Shouldn't they um, ask for forgiveness for the things that they have done? Shouldn't they step through the hoops that are required by religion so that they can finally come to the, to the table to sit with the rabbi? And Jesus says, no, this is a place of invitation of grace and of mercy, of presence, that there's a table, there's a seat at the table for you as well as me. And this is what we do. So friends, when we talk about being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus, the more the time we spend with Jesus and to become like Jesus, the more it should cause us to do what he did. I love a quote that Dallas Willard says, is that when we're living the fullness of life in Christ, 
Evangelism should be automatic and unstoppable. Because when you say, hey, I don't know you. Hey, but come have dinner at my house. Hey, neighbors, we've lived here next to you for 15 years, 15 months or whatever. Hey, come and eat at the table with me even though you don't know me. And I'm going to practice uh, the way of Jesus with you, requiring nothing from you but to sit in your presence, to build a friendship and a relationship, to say that this is who I am and what I believe. And my prayer is that you will come to a relationship with Jesus Christ in the same way I have. This is the reason that we do what we do. The church has always been a place of multiplication. The church has always been a place of grace. Your table should also. This is why one of the things that we want to live into this year is the reason why we do Tuesdays together for one reason is not just to have a relationship with you and create space for people to come and to eat and find peace. But it's also a way to practice so that you can do the same as well. Like we as a church and as leaders are who are practicing the way of Jesus, do that, show you, so that you can do as well. And so our prayer is that as at Pine Lake, as we begin to do what Jesus did, that eating together isn't just a conviction for the people who call Pine Lake home. But it's a conviction and a reality for everybody who doesn't. Not because Pine Lake God has it right, but because we believe that the way of Jesus calls us, beckons us, woos us, that in the same way he poured out his love and his forgiveness and his acceptance upon you, and in the same way that he has done that, that we do that for one another. And so this morning, as we end, I want to charge you. That as you do the hard work, again, this is not a linear thing, but a cyclical place. That as you be with Jesus every day, as you begin to practice the way of Jesus and become like him, I would hope you would hear the call that Jesus' disciples said. And I want to say to you one more time, come and follow me, and I will send you out to be fishers of people. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would come and just remind us I think sometimes we get so comfortable in the Father's house knowing that we are sons and daughters of the King that we forget that we were once looking from the outside we get so comfortable with the Father's love we forget that those who don't know it that your heart is both for the 99 and the one that doesn't that you bring the one back into the 99 so that we can all celebrate together and so God I just pray that uh, you would send the Holy Spirit this week as a reminder to us the call the call of disciples and apprentices after Jesus, that we would participate in the simple practice of eating with our friends 
and our strangers and our enemies. God, and this wouldn't be a practice of obligation, but a practice of love. So God, come. Create room in our lives so that we may do what you did, so that you may be known, so that you may get the glory, so people will know the hope that's found in your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen.